600 Pixels, a podcast that goes below the fold of the World Wide Web to see how professionals in the industry design and build better digital experiences for everyone. I'm Caitlin Studley, Director of Culture at LifeBlue. And my name is Travis Self, a front-end developer here at LifeBlue. And today we're going to sit down with two back-end developers, Scott Foster and Aaron Binzik. And they co-founded a company together back in 2011 called Munzee which is a mobile game that blends geolocation and scavenger hunting. Uh, and we're going to sit down and talk with them about how a couple of backenders approached designing software. Today on the podcast, we have Mr. Scott Foster, who is a backend developer at LifeBlue. And Aaron Benzik, who is also a software developer. And you guys created a app together back in the early 2010s, is that right? We did, 2011. Yep. So tell us about Munzee. What exactly is Munzee and what, what was its primary purpose? So we started Munzee as uh, a game that we blended real-world interactions with the gamification of getting scores and levels. And we had an idea of a way that we could actually give scores for real-world activity and verify that someone had been at a location. So our idea was to use GPS along with barcodes, QR codes at the time. And we originally had the idea in 2009, but the technology on smartphones wasn't quite ready enough for the quick scanning of QR codes. So it wasn't until 2011 when we really got started on it. So it was kind of like, I mean, we all remember pokemon go scott's wearing a pokemon shirt right now and, oh always this was sort of like the precursor to that kind of stuff right like you're out in the world and you're you know geocaching things right i mean right. i Absolutely. mean pokemon goes not it's sort of like that right in a way yeah i mean the the idea behind i mean geocaching has been around for 25 years or whatever so the idea was to kind of bring that to smartphones and use qr codes and stuff like that so um i mean pokemon go is taken to a whole new level that uses augmented reality and and, you know, you play on your phone and you go to areas and stuff like that. This was kind of, you know, you, you, it's still nature based, you know, you kind of still go on trails and dry places and stuff like that. And we didn't have any like raids or anything like that. It was just kind of a simple game, you know, that you go around, scan QR codes, get points and move on to the next one. So we thought it would be an interesting conversation to talk to a couple of software developers about how you guys approached design. Did you think about design at all? Or did you just, because from what I understand, you guys started with a Facebook template, right? You started with a template? Yeah. So we started with a basic framework for the app and, and we we're not designers at all. And so no. we were excited about creating something and making something work and make it happen. And so we were, we thought it was really cool when the first interaction happened and we first scanned the, th the first thing in the real world. We weren't thinking about how that looked to other people. We just wanted it to function. So we had a, a very basic, basically like a utility app kind yeah, of thing without, yeah. without any real flash to it at all. No polish. Did you guys add polish over time? Because it sounds like you sort of just wanted to get it functioning first, right? And testing it and making sure that it worked. But Yeah, exactly. So we had, yeah. we had the, the luxury of not having to meet any deadlines or meet any objectives. We could do whatever we wanted to. And so we kind of approached it in steps of, Hey, here's an idea. Can we make it work? Can we make the technology work? Scott did the back end work to make all the brains behind it work. I worked on the front end for the iPhone app and we're like, okay, hey, this actually works. This, this can actually do what we wanted it to do. 
So we didn't approach it and, and really know what direction we wanted to go. We kind of let the project steer that for us. Mm -hmm. And so after what, three or four months of working on the technology and having something working, we released it to the wild without any marketing, without anything. We just put it out here. Here's our project. Yeah, we started, we met in like February of 2011. I just remember it being really cold and icy. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, we launched July of 2011. And we, yeah, we released the iOS app and the Android app, I think on the same day or relatively close to each other. Yeah, pretty, and pretty close to and each just other. said, here, here's something. We didn't really announce it. I mean, it was just kind of, let's put it out there. It was very organic. We let it kind of take a life of its own and, and hmm. figure out what direction it went. And so we had a, a pretty cool moment when we realized, hey, this is actually legit. This is actually going to be something. And that's when we had our first capture activity uh, in another country. Hmm. And we had this guy named Germany Burt come up and started using our, we're like, Germany holy Bert. cow. And, you know, Scott and I had worked on projects, websites and stuff before, but it's all been localized English right. stuff. And so the first time we had activity in another country, we're like, like that just blew our minds. Like, so did you guys have different that. languages? Um, no, we have no, no localization. No. At okay, all. okay. We we eventually added stuff like that. But okay. yeah, I mean Aaron called me at work and said, I think your code is messed up. Like and I was like, ah, probably is, whatever. I mean <laughs> It says we're getting activity in Germany. What's right. Going no, on? we had we had a map yeah. on the website and you know, sure enough, this guy was very bizarre and um you know, actually put out Munzies and it was hilarious. I remember, yeah, we were at your house and I was just laughing because I'm like, companies spend millions of dollars to, you know, you know, become international and focus on all this stuff. But for us, it was just like, let's just put it out there. And then, yeah, like a week after we did it, some guy in Germany's playing. So your first player was from Germany. Not the first player, our first international he, player. First international he was, player. yeah. And then UK got big and I mean, it just, it's grown. I mean, it's yeah. almost, it's almost 500,000 people now. That's, wow. that's awesome. So yeah. it's it's insane. But yeah, I mean, we we never thought about design really. I mean, no. never yeah, accessibility or anything like that. We just want to say, hey, let's just put it out there and then get feedback and add things. And then as we started playing the game and hearing more feedback about, um, you know, people play the game outside. So, you know, how does that, you know, affect when you're looking at a screen? You know, how can you read, you know, how can you um, contrast, try, and, contrast and stuff like that? Also, a lot of our players were older, so okay, make the text bigger and stuff like that. Stuff so you we guys just, were thinking about well, UX in a way. Maybe you didn't realize that that's what you were right. doing. Right. I mean, it was mostly feedback, and we just said, "Oh yeah, we should maybe probably do that." Increase the font size a little bit. Yeah. Right. That's and, cool. You know, it was it was kind of hard because okay, well, let's focus on the game, but then how do we make it more accessible? And um, yeah, adding languages and stuff like that definitely came. So you guys both mentioned that you're not designers. Can you tell us a little bit about each of your backgrounds so we kind of know a little bit more about what you brought just personally experience-wise and maybe a little bit about kind of where you came from into this project? Um, so for me, uh, ever since I was a little kid, like I've always been fascinated by coding, but always felt like there had to be some kind of sensei or somebody that teaches me how to code like eventually i'll learn i remember my dad bought me a c plus plus book and i mean it was basically chinese to me like i had no idea how do i even like start like where do i i have a computer and i have this book where do i put the stuff in i don't know um and i kind of did that throughout high school and just um eventually i joined the air force thinking someone will teach me how to do it and uh, still no one taught me how to do it. So I bought a PHP book and literally just copied line by line and just taught myself how to do PHP. And I was like, oh, this is fun. And then I got out of the Air Force and built a Facebook app. So this, whatever, 12 years ago, 15 years ago. Um, 
and just grew and just, you know, got a job doing development and thought it was funny that like I faked my way into it kind of thing. And then Aaron messaged me when I lived in Pennsylvania and was actually moving back and said, Hey, I have this idea for this game. And I was like, sounds dumb, but sure. I'm on, <laughs> you know, and I, I, yeah. right. It was, um, yeah. And, and still been coding ever since and, um, have tried to get more involved with UX and design stuff like that, but primarily just focusing on making it work. You know, that's kind of my, mm-hmm. my hustle. Like, you know, sure it could, you know, it has to look good and stuff like that, but at the end of the day, does it work? And that's where, you know, I've tried to strive. Very cool. How about you, Aaron? Uh, I had some background working for some different tech companies, um, a little bit of design work um, as far as website creation and stuff like that. Yeah. No, no artistic work or anything, but a little bit of, of front-end interaction with people and presenting an interface. Um, also worked on some project works for uh, a game company in the early 2000s, working on some software for them. Mm. Um, and then... Kind of had some success uh, on some side projects, building communities around different topics, some video game stuff, some different different communities mm. um, that we had uh, success with building websites. So websites, a lot of it was the back end stuff, the databases behind it, storing and interacting and things like that. So um, no no design experience, no no published apps or anything like that. Mm. I had a few utilities I'd released for some games, but all just kind of software that solves problems not okay. software that's flashy or impressive yeah so, so that was a new so we so we dove into this topic with with you know no experience but just hey we had the freedom of, of taking our time yeah. and seeing what direction it went so the first version it's funny last there's actually last week i think i texted scott some screenshots that i found of our you know the first version we started mocking up the code and so mm-hmm. i just i put a, a front end up on on ios at the time and scott would make some apis that i would call and we just kind of see what it looked like, and it was it was very green. A green. We picked a color of green, and it was very green. Everything <laughs> it, was green, right? And you know, our first version. It so was green text on a green background, <laughs> like it, it, not, not that bad. <laughs> but it was very, it was very, you know, very basic. And so we we kind of approached it in phases. The first phase was, does this game work? Can are people going to play it? Does it have any life to it? And then once we answered that question, and people started playing around the world, like, okay, this is this is legit. We got to get some stuff going. Mm-hmm. We got to have localization. We got to get languages. It needs to look impressive we need to look like we know what we're doing we didn't we were faking it but sure it needed to make it look that way so that's where some new phases came in Very interesting cool. so yeah because if five hundred thousand people have downloaded it then it must be usable which means you must have made some good design decisions right i mean definitely making good design decisions but also making it where they could quickly see the information because again yeah. munsey's one of those things where Okay, you see where you want to go, and then you put your phone in your pocket, or you know, okay, I need to walk or drive two miles that way, and just drive there, and um, you know, then scan the QR code. But it's like you know, Google Maps or Waze or any ruler app or anything like that. It's just basic, you know, gets the job done kind of thing. So, um, do you think that if you had a designer, like, hey, let's get a designer in here before we launch this thing? Do you think it would have been like, it's an interesting question. Like, do you think it would have been as successful? Like, cause sometimes you can over engineer something and like over design something and make it unusable. Cause sometimes we get stuck in these like ways of thinking that something should be designed in a certain way. And versus it sounds like you guys just kind of knew what it had to do and just put it out there. Like it makes you wonder if, um, if bringing somebody in like that may have actually been, you know, overkill or, 
or taken it in a different direction that wouldn't have been successful, you know? I think we thought about it, but again, we didn't have any money. <laughs> so <laughs> it was kind of like, well, okay, if we bring on a designer, well, they're going to want to get paid and, and um, you know, want income or, or stuff like that. Aaron and I have just worked with each other forever. Mm-hmm. And, I think know, our, our work style together is more of, we just like, we're not scared to try something and jump in without having a plan first. So both yeah. of us, uh, him and I are very compatible in that way. So we're like, hey, let's just see where it goes. Right. So on this kind of project, plugging in a designer early on probably would have been pretty frustrating for us yeah. where we had a lot of excitement in the, the bells and whistles of for us was, Hey, we just scanned this QR code and Scott just tells me, Hey, he knows where I am. He t- he can tell that I'm over here on the street and I just captured this thing. So that was exciting for us. Like really exciting. Like, wow, this is really cool. Having a designer come in there. Um, and we also didn't have a community yet. We had to start our own community and start from the beginning. So we didn't really have anyone that would be impressed by fancy graphics or flash or anything like that. Yeah, sure. So I, I think I, I think different projects that can go differently. There are some projects where you need to start out the gate and you need to have some flash because you're coming into a sphere where there's already some competition and there's some already stuff out there and you got to measure up to that. Mm-hmm. So with this particular project, we were kind of coming in without anything to compare against. So we were coming in with a fresh slate. So we had time to to create our our, our, our backbone that we could build everything off of. But for for Munzee, once you establish that player base, well, you got to keep them interested. You got to keep them coming back. And yeah. and for Munzee, I think the biggest thing is Munzee is is looking at a map and sending people to places. Well, how are you going to look at a map and send people places? The biggest thing is actually artwork. It's the pins on the map, and it's the different styles of Munzee. So our very first style of Munzee we created was a mystery Munzee. It was mm-hmm. worth an unknown amount of points, and they were only released for a certain amount of time, and they cost money. You had to pay for them. And that was a different icon that would show up on the map. And so mm-hmm. that was started the evolution to where Munzee's at now with just, you know, all kinds of different types of Munzee's and different kind of styles and things like that. So that's where once you have that community, once you have the people playing your game, you've got you've to be interesting to them. And that's where design you have to have design at that point. Yeah, Right. You have to dangle the carry in front of them and kind of, oh, like we introduced badges. So like, well, you know, what do the badges look like? And, you know, we could have, oh, we can print them out on shirts and stuff like that. So kind of, you know, instead of just boring text, it's, oh, that looks really cool. So, so who, ha- who created the badges in the, in the styles? Was it from the community or... No, we we got we got to a point where we brought in some people that were dedicated to doing graphics, okay. to doing artwork. Okay. So eventually, like okay. So yeah, we got we got to the point once once we got to kind of phase two. You know, the first version of the Munzee app, uh, the iPhone app, was created by me. The second version, we had a designer actually come in and do spec out the all the the, the screens and prototype everything, and okay. then we coded to match that. So our second okay. version started to have some polish and look a little bit more professional than what we had. And as far as consistency too, so like. Yeah, we had a hamburger and a leprechaun and a mystery munzee, but how can they all kind of look kind of similar? Cohesive, yeah. Right, exactly. Kind of what is the style? What you know? What color green do we choose? What you know? Is it is it rounded corners? Is it sharp corners? Stuff like that. So um, I think our yeah designer did a really good job of kind of putting together kind of what is you know what do the things kind of look like. And one thing that was also interesting was yeah we had you know icons on the map and stuff like that, but also we dealt with QR codes. So it was how do we make QR codes pretty kind of thing. So um, the printing company we use, we had different colors. We had sometimes they were glow in the dark. So it was kind of, you you know, we did blue on black or, you know, different shades that meant different kinds and put different things and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it was kind of funny. Like, how do you make QR codes look good? Yeah. Um, 
but that was a challenge and I think, you know, it was fun. So you can make a QR code, whatever color you want. Yeah. I thought it had to be black. Nope. Shows how much I know. Nope. No, it just, it more is about the corners and I definitely. The learned, shapes or whatever that make up the QR code. Yeah. It's, that matters. it's the borders that usually there's kind of three squares around the sides and it's like encoded the, the actual text or whatever is encoded in there multiple times and stuff like that. So does anybody actually like besides Munzee, who else uses QR codes? Cause I don't think I've ever scanned a QR code for something other than a Munzee app. Or something. <laughs> um, so I think the I mean, conference we went to had them on their badges. Yeah. Oh, right. I know like I tried to use them. I did not find them very useful. I know things like Snapchat, like they have the little ghost with like the little dots and stuff like that. Those oh, are yeah. QR codes, but at least same it, idea. Same yeah, idea. Same yeah. Facebook thing. has that too. And Venmo, Venmo has that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't have to be QR codes. I mean, even like, whatever ISBN numbers like on library books and stuff like that. So um, it, it doesn't have to be a QR code. It could be any kind of scanning. I think it's mm-hmm. a very so. misunderstood technology that was hyped at the beginning to be yes. this, you know, put in print magazines and all this. Yeah. That's what I remember fast, first but seeing it, it, it. doesn't, right. it doesn't flow that way. It yeah. does have some utility purposes that have been pretty popular. But you guys found a cool, like a cool use for it, you know? Yeah. Because like for, for us, we were able to um, encode data inside of it. And so we were able to validate stuff that only could be in that QR code. So we could validate that, Hey, you're actually at a location. So it served a very good utility. Um, the actual first idea of the game was to use coins and the name Munzee is a, is a play on the German word, uh, Munz. I'm sure I'm saying it wrong, but it's M-U-N-Z-E for coin. And then we just added an E on the end of it and got a name. I was going to get Very there to that question of why it's called Munzee. So yeah. So that's where the name that. just in the middle of the night looking at domains that were available. But our first <laughs> idea was coins. We we're going to have like, you know, unique serial numbers on coins and be like poker chips. So it'd be hidden around mm. the real world. And so that idea, kind of looking into the logistics, how to make that work, evolved into using QR codes because uh, that accomplished everything we needed. Well, yeah, Scott was telling us about the um, the affordability of printing stickers versus coins. And so it's no Absolutely. wonder that you guys went with the stickers. Yeah, it turned out to be a pretty good business decision. Well, yeah. And everything, you know, each coin or, or QR code has to be unique. So it has to. So, yeah, I mean, we could have gone to China and gotten... Uh, hundreds of thousands of you know these coins but how do we put a unique one at each one and they were like uh you can't do that so yeah qr codes kind of serve the purpose and i mean it was great because people could print these from home and stuff like that so right that's um, cool yeah that's interesting it's interesting that neither of you came from necessarily a design background but you still approached the project as getting to an mvp as quickly as possible well not even necessarily as quickly as possible but as quickly as realistic with your timelines and probably free time and whatever else you had going on in life. Right. I mean, we had, Um, you know, kids and jobs and stuff like that. And then iterating on it from there. So, you know, reskinning it and kind of updating the design were you guys. And I, I ask this, uh, with no hint of condescension or, (laughs) or indication of it, but did you know that that's what you were doing at the time that you were getting to an MVP and then iterating, or was it just like, Hey, we're just going to start somewhere and create a thing. Or were you like, okay, no, we know we need to get to something minimally viable. We're not going to polish it and make it this beautiful thing. We just want to see if it works and see if anyone's interested. I'm just kind of interested to know because it seems like that was just your default. So I didn't know if you had any context for like, hey, this is how we should attack this problem. Obviously, being developers, there's, you know, the software development life cycle and all right, these things. Right, exactly. I just didn't know kind of how, what your official approach was to it. I think the official approach is that there was nothing official about it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that, that's and right that might be the case. So. Jump in and, and, and don't be scared. So yeah. we jumped in and it, it was, we, we approached the first version as kind of a proof of concept. Can we do this? Is it going to work? And 
once we'd established that, yes, we can do this, mm. do people like it? And so we just, that's kind of the evolution that it took. And it was kind of natural. I mean, you know, we, we understood technology and software development and, and, and people's interaction. So I think just kind of without us really knowing about it, it kind of took that approach. Yeah. But, did um, you guys do user testing? Like, did you get a group of friends together and are like, hey, try this out, see if you can figure it out? Or were you like, well, I'm going to walk you through how this works? Like, what did that look like? It was it was pretty much that. It was kind of hard to use. Like, we were kind of surprised when people figured out how to use it. Hmm. Yeah, um, we, we, we were probably had uh, less than 100 people testing it before we launched the first one. Um, we'd gone, uh, I, I'd got, I'd had a beta group together of people right. that I solicited just went out and, and people who appeared to like geocaching and things Were like that. Were you like, that. I'll give you a $1 Starbucks gift card <laughs> if you test this thing for me? No, it was, it was the adoption. Just all was, goodwill. Yeah, the adoption was, was pretty interesting. We had people, um, also I had, I had, kids at the age at that time who were interested in stuff like that. And so kind of word of mouth that kind of go around the schools and stuff like that. Okay. So, so did they just on. recruiting children. For, yeah. He's like, come play with my <laughs> ass. That's right. So and did, uh, schools and Hey, come find this QR code. And did you, um, learn anything from the user testing that made you go back and make some design changes to it? Like, Oh, we should probably make the button bigger or something like that. Or? You know, I, I don't think we did enough from our first group of testing for that, it was just more of, you know, can we talk to the server? Can it load the pins on the map? Can our technology that we decided it needed to have, can that work? But then it was then once we got to the to the actual community that was forming um, of people coming in and we got voices, we didn't know who our audience was. We didn't know who, you know, it turns out it's 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 actually significantly um, different demographic than, than what we were thinking, you know? Yeah. And so that brought... I feel like that's pretty natural that that yeah. would happen. Right. I mean, we thought, so, yeah, it's going to be young people that want to go out and have yeah. fun. No. So... That brought in old people who want to go on young adventures. people like to stay. Well, it was, in it was literally people that old people that have RVs that travel it's across the country. Have to have time, yeah, 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 yeah. people have to have time. Time, people, I, people our age are busy with kids. I That's pulled true. up the website and it's like these two older people, like in the video right hey, there. Hey, know your audience, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He's like digging in a bush. Well, the irony is, what's in this bush back here? (laughs) I'm on an adventure. He's he's a gold digger. I'm spelunking. But no, it's funny because kids usually stay indoors to play video games nowadays, right? Right. Don't talk about Scott like that. (laughs) I play Pokemon Go. That you have to be outside. That's true. I mean, I drive to where I need to go and then sit in the air conditioned car, and then you know, that's true. It's great. I minimize my time. You ride a scooter. (laughs) Right. Oh yeah, for sure. I have the cool Pokemon Don't helmet. Don't scoot and Pokemon Go. A rascal that is scooter. But I mean, that Not was an approved activity. It, it, we found all these kind of weird scenarios of stuff like that. Like, well, yeah, you have to, because I remember one person gave us like a one-star review on the App Store and said, Ouch. there's no Munzies in my area. And we just said, well, put some out there. Yeah. Like, that's kind of the yeah. point. But that's kind of cool, though, because it's and, and That helped us start a campaign. We actually grow the map. Oh, nice. That's okay. Grow yeah, the map. see, that's smart. I mean, so that's, we, we took I mean, that negative. I'm like, okay, so that's clearly a problem. People have downloaded this app. They, we got them interested. They were yeah. interested in it. We appealed to them. They checked it out, and then we didn't meet a need. So, okay, because there's none in the area to, to play. Hmm. So that kind of t- triggered our, our Grow the Map campaign. Yeah, that's and, cool. and kind of dangling the carrot. Hey, if you if you deploy 20 Munzies out there, you get this cool badge and stuff like that. So yeah, okay. people are like, so oh, you guys I want are that. Incentivizing. So, yeah. Right. It was always kind of what what thing do we want our players to do this month or whatever, and then just go from there. That's cool. So if you guys had to give one piece of advice to budding software developers out there, what would you say? Or or budding entrepreneurs. I remember, you know, me being very hesitant with Aaron. It's like, well, what about this? And Aaron's like, just do it. Like, okay. <laughs> no, but 
I mean, we just let's just get it out there. Let's see what people think, and then just keep iterating and going from there. Um, so don't um, get bogged down with right. I mean, well, the details you know, you know, with design now, well, is it is it mobile responsive and is it ADA compliant or you know, double A AA or triple A or stuff like that? All that's important, but also it's just as important to get it out there, kind of thing. Yeah. To start to get, with something. Yeah. There has to, to be a version one. Using some, You have to get people using something to see if there's any value. Right. Yeah. I, th- I think the feedback that I'd have is, is don't be scared to try something new. Don't be scared to jump in. And don't be scared that you don't have all the answers to the questions you can think of. Don't let that be a barrier to trying something new because you don't know where it's going to go. And we didn't know where this project would go. And it turned into a multi-million dollar company that, you know, we literally just created as a side project yeah. to see, you know, what would happen? Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, cool. it's, still, be it's yeah. still around. I mean, we'll give them plugs, Munzee.com. Go to <laughs> download the app. It's free. So um, you guys are not on, you guys are not part of Munzee anymore, obviously, because you were no. in Life Blue. We were retired from Munzee. Retired right. from Munzee. We, we did it. I, we passed the torch. I did it for seven years, six or seven years, and mm-hmm. it was just kind of time to just find something else. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was basically working two full-time jobs, running Munzee and, and wow. working a professional career, so it... At that point, you know, the, the whole project goes from, hey, here's a fun idea, here's a tech idea. Having fun creating the technology. Okay, it's real, so we've got to build a community to make them happy. Okay, how can we make a business out of this? How can we make money? And then it turns into, okay, now we have a real full business with full-time employees, and it turns into now you're running a company, which is a lot different from when you're at the very beginning of the yeah. fun. Hey, right, let's yeah, work on sure. a fun little Definitely. technology project. So um, finally reached the point uh, with my involvement where I realized – this needs somebody dedicated full time to this project. Mm-hmm. The, as much as I'm loving this and think it's so cool that we brought this to life and it's played all over the world, you got to have somebody. You got to recognize in the business world that when it's when it's time to when you're not the best fit for the project anymore. Yeah, so yeah sure. How big was the company when you guys left, or how big is it today? How many employees? I don't know what it is today, but we had I think we they had have, eight full time employees. Yeah, I think they're about eight or ten people kind of right now, and I mean it's anywhere from designers to people that work on content to social media people um that's awesome so i mean it's it's a full you legit created a company and gave 10 people jobs that's something to be proud of have a global reach that's pretty cool yeah and i mean we we hear i read stories all the time about hey you know i i lost weight doing it i met people doing it wow. um you know i have friends in in australia and denmark that i talk to all the time about you know hey we wouldn't have met if it weren't for munzee are there any babies that would not exist right now. There have, to, there have to be. Yeah, there have to Munzee be. Munzee marriages. People, I, Munzee yeah. babies. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. That should the, be a um, campaign that they do. That's right. That's that's the. Are there any babies named Munzee? No, but no. there are people with Munzee tattoos. I'm aware of Munzee tattoos. Okay, wow. that's cool. Yeah, that's, that's when you hardcore. know. You, that's when you know you've hit big time. Yeah. I, Sorry, I, Russell. <laughs> we still don't. None of us have life blue tattoos. I, I thought about getting a Munzee tattoo, but I couldn't do it. I think one of my. Coolest thing, stories of people playing Munzee was something I heard last year when I was actually ran into some people playing Munzee and was just talking to them about uh-huh. it. And they're like, yeah, we're, it was a lady and, um, you know, she had some, some physical struggles, but she had made it a goal to get the badge of Munzee where you capture one Munzee a day for a whole year. Hmm. And it was something that her and her husband did together and it got her out and moving as opposed to being at home. And she talked about how, you that's know, awesome. it, it really helped her mindset and her physically uh, going on. Like, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's, that's great. Pretty that's amazing. pretty amazing. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. Well, you guys, are you guys cooking up any new projects as we, as we wrap up? Why don't you tell us about what you're, what you're working on or maybe some other cool stuff that you're doing? I got, I got many projects. I mean, it's, it's the entrepreneur bug. Like I love, I love reading TechCrunch and hearing about all these crazy startup ideas. And 
I think that's like how one thing that initially got me interested in Munzee was like, I want to be one of these part of these cool startups and like stuff like that. So, um, I got really nothing to plug, but I'm always tinkering with stuff, like always coding, just random things, learning languages, but getting to the point where, um, I feel comfortable putting stuff out there. So, yeah. How about you, Aaron? Are you, is there anything you're cooking up? Yeah, so I think um, one of the cool things about Munzee was was kind of solving problems and bringing things to life. And so I've always approached um, everything as kind of being a problem solver. What problems am I facing and how can I solve those? And my professional life, um, during the day, I'm a homicide detective and software developer for fun at night. Okay? I bet our listeners so, were not expecting that. Yeah. No. We need to bring you back for a whole other episode on yeah. how you transitioned from developer to homicide detective. Absolutely. But. Yeah, we would love that. So I'm in a unique position with technology background to be able to bring some of that into the law enforcement realm where it's yeah. traditionally not understood well, not adopted well, and our, our technology can be behind. And there's a lot of really unique problems that we can solve with technology. And yeah. uh, one of the ones we're working on uh, now is, is something to help um, locate missing people and people in danger. Um, and law enforcement's doing, uh, has, has a tough job using some of the technology and understanding how best to find people in danger that, that need help. Yeah. And so we're automating some of that stuff with some tools, um, that we make available to first responders. And so something, um, I have, I have a website called badgeapps.com, which is where we house some of those tools. And it's, it's, it's pretty neat technology. There's a lot of a lot of big data out there with people. Then you hear it in the news with you know location information, Google Store, and everyone lists location information stuff like that. And law enforcement's absolutely using location information to solve crimes and to keep people safe. And so there's a lot of opportunity on how do you use that data in a responsible and safe way. So. Awesome. Very cool. Well, uh, for either of you, uh, how can people find you online if they are interested in maybe uh, reaching out to? sing the praises of Munzee or ask you uh, about your entrepreneurial journeys or maybe uh, give you a pitch on, on their project. <laughs> How, uh, where can they find you? For me, it's probably just Twitter, twitter.com slash Scott Foster is where I Ooh, retweet. OG. I know I, I definitely got it. I tried to get Scott but that's a whole other story. Um, there's a, there's a, I clearly don't follow sports, but there's a, a sports ball guy named Scott Foster as well. Isn't there? He's a NBA ref. Have you tried and, to sell your Twitter handle to him? No, but there's an actor named Scott H. Foster or Scott M. Foster. I don't know. So I'm I, waiting for him to try to buy the Twitter handle. I feel like you should be proactive. Just message him and see if you, you can sell it. Mm, but Offer yeah, I mean, it up for a price. I, I retweet everything from video games to politics to everything. But yeah, sometimes I post, hey, screenshots of things I'm working on, stuff like that. So nice. it's um, it's a lot of fun. Okay. Where can they find you, Aaron? Uh, or link, or can't they? <laughs> yeah. LinkedIn, Aaron Benzik, and uh, badgeapps.com. Okay. Awesome. Very cool. Awesome. Well, thanks for chatting with us about all this stuff today. It was super interesting to talk about something a little bit different than we normally do and kind of come at it from the entrepreneurial side and, and the software side of, of design and things like that. So I'm sure we would love to have you guys back. We're definitely having Aaron back to talk about oh, this. Oh, for sure. Transition. Oh, yeah. Uh, but we'd love, especially as you guys are developing. Hopefully I still have a job tomorrow. You know, I'll, I'll be here tomorrow in the morning. We got all we needed out of here. This was the last thing. <laughs> we, just, we already did a retirement episode. Right. It's I, too I, soon I, to do another one. That's true. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I'm sure we'll have you guys back to talk about uh, some additional stuff, especially as you start working on projects. But for now, we'll leave it to the listeners to check you guys out and keep the conversation going. But thanks for coming and visiting with us today. Cool. Thanks for having us. Yeah, definitely. Thanks.